This is single stamina. Pause. It's my episode. Then why are you asking me if I'm ready, bitch? I was just asking if you were ready to go, bitch. Love you, girl. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Hey Beautiful. It's been a minute. Yeah, it's been two weeks, right? Or a week. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Uh, If you don't know, I'm Kate. This is my fantastic co-host, Caitlin. Hello. And we are Hey Beautiful. We are the only podcast Mm -hmm. that is recapping How I Met Your Mother from the beginning in order, no spoilers. Spoiler free. Spoiler free. Um, and last week we talked about the fantastic slap bet. Great, mm-hmm. fun episode. Thanks again to Katie from TFGIF podcast for uh, sitting in on an interview for that. That was a great interview. I loved all the shade thrown my way. I wasn't oh, mad well. at any of it. It was so true. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's accurate. I mean, I can't talk about yeah. how I met your mother without talking about you, so... Aww. We're just we're just joined in that way. We're intertwined. Yeah. Love it. Uh, so yeah, that was awesome. This week we have another fantastic episode. Single stamina. You know it's this a good one. This season is pretty good. It's solid. It really is. I just I, I don't want to commit to saying this is my favorite season because no yeah, yeah. it's so it's early. Too early yeah but it's probably the most consistently good season yeah at least that we've seen so far. <laughs> One and a half. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Um, before we do get into single stamina, I want to remind everybody. I posted this on Twitter, but uh, Caitlin and I have real jobs <laughs> and lives, and Caitlin even has a child. So we are going to be cutting back to one new podcast every other week. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, it feels good. feels really good. Um, <laughs> I think you guys are going to get better episodes out of us. They're going to be better edited because right now what happens is we usually tape on a Monday, Monday mm-hmm. or Tuesday, and then I spend Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday editing. Which is crazy. After my day job. So I love doing it. It's a lot of fun, but that takes up three nights a week for something that I'm doing for fun and for free. So people have been great on Twitter, just totally supportive of it. And honestly, I think it's giving everybody a chance to catch up on not just our podcast, but other people's because when every podcast comes out every single week, it's hard to keep up. So you're welcome, everybody. It's more important than ever to make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud because that way you'll know right when it comes out. It's yeah, easy. You won't miss it. Yeah, you won't have to keep track of like which week is it. You just get a notification or you'll see it in your feed um, depending yeah. on what platform you use for it. It'll be like surprise Christmas. Yeah. Um, and speaking of iTunes, we have a couple new reviews to read Ooh. since last time, which is awesome. The first one says, Awesome! And it says right in the thing that we are to do the Barney Stinson high pitched voice, so you're welcome. <gasps> And this is from our buddy Lucas, our new friend Lucas, who's uh, sent in some stuff before. 
Thanks for finding us, Lucas, and for sending us this review. Uh, he gave us five stars. Ooh, thank you. Very generous. Yeah. And then he said, as someone who has watched the show so many times, it's great to have another medium in which to watch it again. I love being able to visualize everything a character does and says and the tone they say it in just through listening to the recaps. So Lucas really appreciates our play-by-play, which is great because we do spend a lot of time doing that. We do spend a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. So thanks, Lucas. Our next review comes from Eric, our buddy on uh, Twitter, eSkater89. And he gave us five stars. Thank you very thanks, much. Thanks, Eric. And writes, a new hymnium journey with more awesome fans. Dairy! Legendary! This is definitely very reminiscent of watching Himyum with my old buddies around a laptop in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> a little escape with hosts who really do their best to make their fans included in the podcast. Like asking fans to submit moments that stand out to them. In parentheses, legendary moments. Yes, that is thank you. all Kate. Very good idea. I'll admit it feels good to hear it on the air. Well, keep sending them Yeah, Eric. We will keep reading them out loud. <laughs> Give you personal shout outs. Heck yeah. Kate and Caitlin will quickly feel like two very awesome friends. Aw. Emphasis on awesome. Aw, thank you. So sweet. I honestly didn't have that many sound issues at the beginning of this podcast. There were some, but it wasn't glaring to me. Oh, bless. Eric has the ears of a cat then. Bless. <laughs> bad. If you have decent speakers slash headphones, you'll be fine. But it'll definitely be appreciated in the earlier episodes. I'm definitely in this podcast for the long haul, and I look forward to every episode. Keep up the great work, ladies. And no, I'm not a pirate. <laughs> you remember why he said that? Yeah, like a few episodes. I think it was in like season one. He sent in a legendary moment and talked about like ha- watching How I Met Your Mother out to sea with all of his friends. And we yeah. were like, he's either in the Navy or he's a pirate. He's still a pirate. I think. Still a pirate. Oh, he's not going to admit it. Piracy is right. illegal, Eric. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> I got you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. But if we ask him, he has to tell us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. All right. So thank you so much, uh, Lucas and Eric. We will hear from Eric later this episode with his legendary moment. Let's get going on Single Stamina. This is season two, episode 10, Single Stamina. It first aired on November 27th, 2006. Our writer this time around is Kristen Newman. Lady writer! Lady writer! And, of course, our director is Pamela Fryman. And Krista Newman has written one other episode for How I Met Your Mother. What, Caitlin? No, I was going to give you, I gave you, like, wrong details. She was not the one I said. You're like, oh, you remember that about her? Yeah, no. No, in fact, I didn't. Just kidding. <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. So Krista Newman has written one episode from for How I Met Your Mother before this, Ted Mosby Architect, and that's it. It's this episode and that episode. We will never hear directly from Kristen again. I'm not sure if she had a hand in other episodes in a more passive way, but that's about it. She is a co-executive producer, but only season two, actually. And she moved on to a really successful show, Unhitched. (laughs) Good choice. That's fine. Good choice. Oh, she did Gallivant, too. What the fuck is that? It was a really bad, like, musical 
Oh, like medieval? Was it medieval? Yeah, the medieval musical. Yeah. That sounds like a hit. Wonder why it was only two episodes. <laughs> Who doesn't love a medieval musical? It's timely. There's, I mean, there's so much you can do with that genre too. I mean, it's really limitless. Yeah, yeah, you know, musical medieval times, a lot of like hey nani nani, and the like. <laughs> Very rich, a rich tapestry. Anyway, uh, we open this episode with a beautiful B-roll of New York City in winter. It is beautiful in winter. That's when I like to go to New York City because it's not hot and disgusting. It doesn't smell like hot urine and trash. You know what I mean? New Yorkers hate the winter there, but I'm like, the subway doesn't smell like shit. Yeah, we used to go every year um, into... New York for Christmas, we would rent a limo. You're fucking and get driven around. <laughs> That's cool though. Yeah, it was like a special Christmas trip. You did I mean, like, like with your family? Worked a, yeah, they. I mean, I don't ever remember my parents not working two jobs to give us like our charmed childhood. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we would do that, and it was always really fun and special. We'd go look at the tree, and we felt like super fancy, just getting driven around everywhere and hop out of the limo. That's hop back really. In. I feel like that's the way to do it. Yeah, we did it. If maybe you can, like three or four times, or like we would drop us off, and we'd walk around, and it would meet us somewhere. And else. your mom, Linda, would be like, "Look at the tree! Look at the tree! Look at the look tree! Look at the tree! Oh, it's cold!" Ooh, it's cold. <laughs> I love that Linda Belcher's name is Linda because every time I see her, I think of your mom and you. Like this, Linda Belcher's like a a combo of Caitlin and Linda, the real Linda. The real Linda. Yeah. It's true. I love it. Uh, So yeah, we see these beautiful shots of New York City and then we hear future Ted telling us the only thing better than New York City in winter is, you know, watching it in an apartment with your loved ones. And we see that it's the winter of 2006 and Marshall and Lily and Ted and Robin are in full couple hibernation mode. It's always Mm -hmm. nice when you can find one other couple to like hunker down with you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's fun on your own. Yeah. I don't like people. You don't like people. Um, But (laughs) it's like you find other people that want to do the same thing as you, which is nothing. Yeah. And it's great. Oh, yeah, it's always good to have those friends that you can literally just sit and do nothing, not even speak to. Yeah. I'll go to Jeanette's house and I'll just like lay on her couch and I'm like, all right, I'll see you later. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Snap time. My friends, uh, Sarah and Casey were like that and now they're gone. They didn't die. They just moved to Vegas. <laughs> sometimes Sarah listens to this. Hi, Sarah. I love you and I miss Hi, you very Sarah. much. Oh, she does? Yeah, sometimes, oh, I love yeah. Her too. She doesn't really. Remember w- that time Shh. you got a full night's rest after the baby was born? Oh, yes. I, I snuck out of the room so you could be. Bless your little heart. Bless your heart. Yeah, that's just for Sarah. We love you. So, yeah, so this is basically a depiction of what the kids today call cuffing season. Do you know about it? Basically, it is a time when you are cuffed to one other person. So in the spring and summer, it's like hoe season where you're going out and you're like living your best life and trying to find people. That's like the single stamina seasons. Yeah. And then fall winter is the couple's coma season, a.k.a. cuffing season. So like as the summer winds down, you're trying to find someone to cuff yourself to. Right, plus like all those holidays. Yeah, all the holidays, presents. presents. You want someone to shovel your driveway for you. Yeah. Lock them down, cuff them up. I mean, winter gets boring after a while. Right, you want someone can't, inside. Can't go out. Yeah, you want someone inside to, you know, hang out with and, you know, all that 
fun Flick stuff. Flick your little bean or your bing bong, whatever you got. Yeah, Maybe you have got. neither. That's cool too. Sadly, because all of them are nestled in for a long winter's nap, Barney is out in the city flying solo. And Poor guy. Yeah, it's a lot about Barney's solitude mm-hmm. this episode. And um, yeah, we'll get into that later. But he keeps coming in trying to get them to go to these insane parties that honestly they probably wouldn't have gone to whenever the season was or how single they were. Uh, Maybe Ted. Maybe Ted. Uh, Like skinny skydiving and a party at at an abandoned tire factory. No, thank you. It probably smells like rubber. Oh, I hate that smell. He's even resorted to trying to be his own wingman, and then finally he decides to bring in reinforcements. His actual brother, James, who is like his hero. We we see. Um, he's like this legend of a single guy, right? Just really charismatic, and he's like always his wingman, and so this is like the guy Barney always counts on. And we get a great line from Barney. Hang on to your bedsores, grandparents from Willy Wonka, which I love. I love referring to myself as like Grandma Georgina, Georgina mm-hmm. or Josephine, whatever, whoever I want to be that day. Yeah, man. Grandpa Joe, maybe. If I'm feeling First a little of all, bit fuck, full of life. fuck Grandpa Joe. Fuck what? Grandpa Joe. If he could have gotten up the whole time and made a goddamn dollar for that family, they wouldn't be eating cabbage soup out of a laundry bin, which isn't what happens, but I'd always seem like she was stirring both the cabbage soup and the, and the, the linens at the same time in the same copper barrel. All the same water. God. Oh, God. Here's, oh, God. The shirts give it extra flavor. Oh, and then just the, the, everything looks so soiled. Nasty. You know that's hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Disgusting. I like clean. Oh, God. Um, So, yeah. So, this is a new piece of character that we learn about Barney. He has a family, or at least a brother, and we soon learn that he at least has a headless Mother, basically headless torso is mother as well. It's like Muppet Babies. I wrote that. Ah! Ah! Best friend alert. Then we see all of them kind of in on this little joke for Ro- to Robin because Robin's like the newbie that doesn't know James. And uh, Ted warns that they're not exactly alike. And Lily jumps in with he's gay. So at this point, they're all complicit in the fact that no one is telling that James is black. Then Robin says her first of two weird things. I never in a million years would have pictured you with a gay brother. And I love Barney's face when she says this because he's kind of like, okay. Like, that doesn't even, yeah. what does that even mean, right? But I, what does it mean? Maybe because he's so straight, you know? Uh, like, he's still, so like, what, straight. So what is that? Bitch, I don't know. I said it was problematic. I don't know what she was trying to say. But then, in walks the amazing Wayne Brady. With a what up New York, and if you had any doubt who he was, because at this point, if you're watching for the first time, you might have been ex- expecting a gay white guy, right? Yeah. But he walks in, and you're like, he as soon as he says what up New York, you're like, that's fucking Barney's brother. He was, was perfect. If it had been, I'll say this: this is not my favorite episode of season two or of the show. I think it's like, Meh. it's good. Yeah. It sort of gives you some character development, but it's not like yeah. one of the best. Okay. Right. You know, it's not super compelling. But if his brother had been anyone but Wayne Brady, this episode would have sucked. He carried the fucking episode on his back. Yeah, he is chef's kiss. Chef's kiss. 
You all, did yes. you have info about Wayne Brady? Should we talk about him for a second? Yes. Yeah, so he went to high school with and was best friends with Joey Fatone. Joey Fatone? Insane- yes. <laughs> I almost was going to call him that. Joey Fat One. He was in sync, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. God, Insane uh, had some fucking uggos in there. Oh. Oh, I thought you. <laughs> yeah, that too. But yeah, so he uh, grew up in Orlando. This was really interesting to me. So he was raised pretty much by his grandmother. Mm-hmm. And in the press, he says that he refers to her as his mom. Oh. Because that's his mom. Yeah. Um, but his. His dad was in the army okay. and moved around a lot and wanted him to have a stable life. So he left Wayne in Florida with his mom and he would come and visit, but she really raised him. And his biological mom, he doesn't talk to or have huh. a relationship with or anything. So there's really, he said there's really not a lot to say because he doesn't know who she is. Wow. Yeah. Um, he also played a pizza delivery guy on Clarissa. <gasps> Shut the fuck up. I need to go back and watch that. I know. Like a, I think it said like uncredited or oh, something. Oh, like so that, it wasn't like a recurring thing. No. Oh man. Um, not that it didn't look that way anyhow. Yeah. And he also is the voice of Clover, whoever that is, on Sophia the First, which is a children's like animated princess movie show. Cute. Or something. Oh yes, I've heard of that. But this I thought was the most exciting for me. Um, so Neil Patrick Harris directed a limited run production of rent and he cast wayne brady <gasps> as tom collins oh cool yeah i thought that was really oh. neat. it was in 2010 that would be so cool to say mm-hmm. damn it well and we also know wayne brady the big thing is whose line is it anyway yeah yep. if you haven't caught this show i mean he is the shit he's able to do, I don't care if they have like a little time to prepare things or however they end up doing it. He it is doesn't fucking matter. magical. He's so smart. He is. he is so quick. Clever, quick. And funny. Like, oh mm-hmm. man. And so, so charismatic. Great. So great. That's like that's why he was perfect to play James. Like you yes. want to like him, whereas you want to hate Barney. So true. Yeah, like he's I wrote down somewhere in here that he's kind of like a step up from Barney. Yeah. He seems like he's got a little more class. He seems like he might be an actual trendsetter where Barney's, like, tr- trying to live up to him, but not in a stressful mm-hmm. way. He just emulates his older brother. Yeah. I'm assuming it's his older brother the way that Barney sort of Loves lionizes him. Loves him. Yeah. He also had a great, great cameo on The Chappelle Show. I'll, s- I'll talk about that. it a little bit later when I talk about his, like, range of acting. on Just in okay. this episode alone, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. He's um, currently filming a project called WRZ, White Racist Zombies. Ooh, cool. Yeah, I it's a comedy. It. It'll co- it's supposed to come out in August. Oh, cool. Oh, 2019. Sorry. Oh. It says, when a virus spreads only to the white people of L.A., the black community must save itself. When it realizes these zomb- zombies don't want brains, they want melanin. Oh, my God. It's kind of like Get Out with the wanting yeah. their skin. Interesting. Yeah. That's cool. I wonder who's producing and directing that and who wrote it. I'll look it up later. Go ahead. Ted and Robin have this little bit of a joke about how it never came up that Barney had a gay black brother. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just thought it was stranger that he has a brother. Right, at all. And we haven't heard about him. Yeah. But of all people, Robin should understand shit from your past not coming up. I mean, yeah. last week, Robin... 
We learned a lot yeah. about you that never came exactly. up. Also, when Ted and Robin are having their little conversation, Marshall and Lily are catching James up on what's going on in their lives. And it's just this awkward. Marshall has this line about, well, and now the wedding's back on or something like that. It's just like, how do you have that conversation so quickly? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they've had it a million times now. Right. Probably so it's probably now, like, it's just, whatever. It's just matter of fact, like the, the grass is green. The sky is blue. Lily left for this, you know, we were broken up for six months, but now we're back together and we're getting married. Yeah, it's part of their story now, right? Yes, you just tell it matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So James catches everyone up on his life, and we find out that he is a lot like Barney. He actually got to go skinny skydiving. <laughs> yeah. Would you remember is what he tried to get the group to do before. Mm -hmm. um, he also plays in a laser tag league. He loves suits and has a blog. And I love while James is talking Barney's reactions remind me of, like, middle school theater. Yeah. Reactions. Like, just very exaggerated. When he says something about the suit, it was, you know, <gasps> yeah. the last suit that this famous tailor from Milan made mm -hmm. before he died. And Barney's like, oh, and he's just like, what? And he's, like, grabbing it. Just Yeah. Very, yeah, very theatrical. Hands very on theatrical the knees. And over the top. Yeah. 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 And just, like he just like so adores James. Yeah. In a very unabashed way. Like he's not trying to be cool about it, right? He's like fuck you, my brother's the best. Yeah, no, he's just like this is he's amazing. It's so yeah, sweet. It's so sweet. Uh something that we also find out that's pretty exciting is Gimme 5 is back. Oh shit. Very exciting. Um and then Robin gets introduced to James and the next Thing she brings up is the fact that Barney's white and James is black. There's a story here. I guess just hey Robin, mind your own fucking business. That's like two weird he, comments this episode. I don't like that. Yeah, and I guess like maybe they were trying to work in this next scene because it was like comical. I don't know, but right. It just was. It was. It could have gone without but yeah they made robin sound ignorant like twice in one minute so yeah just let her take the heat on that one but then again not people great. say dumb shit to people all the time so i'm not saying that it's inaccurate that yeah that's uh true. like a a brother combo when one is black and one is white didn't get stupid shit said to them all the time but surprising yeah. that it was robin but she's the only one that doesn't know them so so she's I just guess, talking whatever. out of her butt but we get these uh entertaining flashbacks with a little Barney and a little <laughs> James. We get to see Loretta, their mom. Yeah. And I wrote sort of like nanny and Muppet babies, just the legs. Yeah. And the legs are voiced by uh, Megan Mullally, who's Karen from Will and Grace. Yes. Very recognizable. Voice. Right. And it turns out that Barney and James also were wondering, you know, why they had different color skin. Right. And they get a, wide range of reasons uh from uh the kind of ice cream that she had while she was pregnant um just one of those things and then she just accuses them of being little racist <laughs> you're a little so, racist um but she has this line where she was talking about being pregnant and drinking tons yes. of coffee and she says because you can't smoke without my coffee <laughs> or can't smoke without my coffee drink yeah, yeah. tons of coffee oh because i needed God. it to smoke Oh, the I 70s. I love that line. So great. Uh, and, um, yeah, we also get a bunch of flashbacks, too, about the boys being each other's wingmen. Because when they team up, 
they are a force to be reckoned mm-hmm. with. And there's this great scene where one of like kind of the plays that they do, um, James is on the ground and <laughs> Barney's asking if anyone knows mouth to mouth and some not maybe not as classically attractive men says he does and Barney's like uh how, how about you how about you and chooses a better looking guy big tall buff guy with a shirt that says sex <laughs> yeah just he likes the real obvious very subtle real obvious guys yeah James wants everyone to go out but the couples are against it um you know Marshall's got a warm soup belly <laughs> and they're just really content to stay where they are I mean once I get my jammies on, oh I jam jams after nine get the fuck out of here Oof. But James leads the group in this really like rousing speech. He's kind of like almost like preaching, you know, and he's doing like this call and return. Like, can I get a like, hell yeah. And he's telling them that they have to go out for all the people in, you know, Wyoming Mm -hmm. who are sitting at home dreaming about what it would be like if they lived in New York City. And here they are living in New York City and they owe it to those people who can't to go out. How dare they squander it, right? How dare they squander it? It's moving. It really is. I was like, all right. It's like, fuck yeah, let's do it. I don't think he could get me to go out, though. When you were single, did you do you feel like you went out more? Or have you always been? Uh, I am an extroverted introvert. Sames. You know, like, and I hate everyone's always like, I'm an introvert. Whatever. Stupid. <laughs> um, but I definitely reach a point where I need to kind of recharge. Yeah. And when things become too much, I hide. <laughs> I went on, I was at a conference at work for three days with a bunch of like my coworkers and it was loud and bright and overwhelming. And at one point I just got up as like, I'm going to the next session and there's like left the group. Yeah, dude, I've done that. I did that at a conference last year. I like, it was, um, I got to see Michelle Obama talk. And then I met Roxanne Gay, like, same day. Huge wins, right? Huge, like, emotional big things. And then I lost my favorite fan that Liz bought me, the one I used at my fucking wedding. You knew, no, you did not. Yeah, but then I got another one that looks just like it. It's beautiful. But, and, like, the same pattern and everything. But I lost it, and I, like, had a full crumpled, like, breakdown. Because it might have been, like, my adrenaline was up all day. So, like... I got my lunch and just ate by myself. I told my friends, I was like, I need to be by myself. Like, I found a quiet place. Yeah. Um, and my friend, Ama, who has her own podcast about called The Imposters. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. Um, she talks about a lot about introverts and extroverts, and she likens them to pasta versus rice. So an extrovert is like rice. They can stay in the water, like the hot water, which is like social settings a long time. And it takes them a long time to be fucking done. Yeah. You and I are more like pasta where we can. I'm angel hair. (laughs) Dude, I'm al dente in like three fucking minutes. I'm probably like a rigatone depending on the situation. Um, But yeah, so that it takes a lot less time for us to be done. That's a great uh, analogy. I do better in, like, small groups. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yes. And with people that also understand that, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I will be really charming. I'm a Gemini, obviously. Yeah. You know, and I like to talk your face off, but I also really need... The alone time. Yeah. James has managed to get them all out to the club, and this we start seeing things unravel a little bit from the way that Barney... Mm -hmm perceives them to be but barney doesn't notice uh as soon as they walk in the club barney tries to hook james up with somebody but he deflects and they focus on barney and at this point 
which we see him do this later and it doesn't work. But here, Barney is, you know, he's thirsty too. So he's happy to go first. They spot a girl with a back tattoo and decide to go hero and the pig. So now we know that James and Barney have like probably a set of their own plays together. Like we know Barney has his stuff on the side, but they're, are clearly some, like, two-man jobs that he and James like to run. Uh, And so James walks up and basically lightly assaults this girl, puts his hands all over, and then Barney swoops in as this gentle, protective soul, and it's very Mm -hmm. gross. And, you know, watching this in 2006, I was like, ha-ha, that's a good one. Now I'm like, ew, that's gross. Yeah, that's assault, brother. Yeah, that's assault, brother. So, and this is what I wanted to say about Wayne Brady, is that he has such range as an actor um, when he does, you know, different characters and stuff, because, like, here already in two scenes, we've seen him do a little bit of sass. We've seen him do, like, the preacher thing. We've seen this, like, big thuggish guy, like, hey, yeah, right? So he's got all these... He's just so good at characters, and he can do, like, such a range of it, and we'll see even more of that as as he sort of opens up more to Barney. Um, but the best thing I think that I've seen him in is Chappelle's show because uh, the concept was because white people love Wayne Brady, you and I included, like, oh, he's yeah. so funny, he's so charming, he's such a good singer, you know? Like, yeah, he's, like, the sort of unthreatening black guy, right? So... Sure. Especially like older white ladies just love him. So Dave yeah. Chappelle wanted to have him come on and be like the exact opposite of that. So he had him be like this fucking psycho. Like a really? like he has like he's a pimp basically and sells drugs and like all the oh it's like so so good. And Wayne nails it. He he nails it. It's so if you haven't seen Wayne Brady on Chappelle's show, everybody go watch it. So then we get this little tableau of all the people in the club and we get the future ted telling us that when you're out somewhere you can tell who the couples are and who the singles are and i had never thought of this this is i thought this was like a really cool observation um singles like to stay on their feet and they're drinking shots and they're always moving and on the other hand the couples are always trying to find somewhere to sit down exhausted by the sheer act of leaving the house you know and then they're like nursing one drink instead of like slamming shots all night and it's it's just crazy how accurate that is it is and how how different your life becomes as soon as you settle down i mean i know it's not true for everybody but i mean i did some fucking crazy shit when i was single can you think of something crazy you did when you were single that you would never do now nothing i'd care to have on a recorded <laughs> uh, yeah, on a recorded line on a recorded line mm. um i did shit or i'm like how am i still alive yeah yeah right my mine yeah. is i just can remember the thirst in my body i don't know why i thought this was going to be exciting but it was around new year's eve and it, there was a full blizzard an actual literal yeah. blizzard but my friends were having this, throwing this huge New Year's Eve party in New Haven. And I drove, I was like the only person on the road. I drove to New Haven for this party that was obviously canceled because there was a blizzard. Oh. And then we just got drunk together. But like, I would never in a million years do that as, as a non-single person. 
Just even going out to a New Year's Eve party. Right? No, thank you. Let alone like a blizzard. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I don't know what it is. I guess it's just like that drive to find somebody, you know, like that. Yeah. And once you have it, you're kind of like, oh, well, that's taken care of. Let's do a puzzle. Let's do something else. And yeah. Yeah. So we see all of that happening. Um, and it coincides the end of this little investigation or observation ends saying there are lots of ways to tell if someone has couples coma just as James is coming to sit down and he's exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, and he says like, he's been running from guys and Lily and Robin start talking about how tired they are and how they wish they could go home and take off their bras. And some guy makes a gross comment and Marshall takes his fucking side. Poor guy. You crushed him. He just told your fiance to take her bra off that was not like he came up like hi my name's my name's brad uh like you hey. look really pretty tonight you know like anyway here's one yeah right hey i'm gonna be uh playing my acoustic guitar later if you wanna <laughs> oh. come over to this side of the room so oh, that was a crazy thing i did i went to uh a, like hiking place with this guy i had met at the coffee shop mug caitlin you could have gotten murdered did you did you feel like you were gonna get murdered a little bit? I just was really uncomfortable the whole time, mm-hmm. and then before we went on the hike, he sat, he put like a a blanket out and played his acoustic guitar and played Good Charlotte. Songs Ew! For me. Oh, the early two thousands. Yeah. What a time! It's crazy. You do. It's like some some part of your brain shuts off, and you're like not as worried about. It must be like an instinctual thing, right? I guess so. Some sort of a drive that gets you to take risks, I guess. I don't fucking know. So anyway, Marshall's an idiot and Ted's an idiot too because now they're being all arrogant about, God, guys, why don't you just like take the compliment? It's really not that hard. I feel like some of the jokes in this episode felt really lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Like this storyline, lazy. Right, right. Um. Yeah, and there's another, so this is kind of like, a trope that gets flipped on its head lightly, but then there's another one that we pick up on in a minute or two that's a little more nuanced and better done, I thought. But this one's very obvious. It was kind of like, hey, the boys are going to get what's coming to them, you know? Yeah. Uh, It was good to see, but at the same time, like, still a a little lame. Yeah, this is not a great episode. It's not, and this is not, we just told our fans that taking a week off, we were going to have better episodes. It's not our fault that the episode isn't good. Sometimes it's a good episode, sometimes. It was only Wayne Brady, just like, um. Jane Seymour. Yeah. So we get another clue then of James turning down a shot from somebody. But of course, Mm -hmm. like Barney, he's a great liar, has an excuse. But Lily noticed. He's too in shape. Yeah, he's too in, too in shape. I mean, that's a thing. That is literally a thing. Well, I mean, and then the reason why he says we, that they'd end up talking about his body fat content all night, that's valid. Yeah, or like today it would be CrossFit. <laughs> Let's be honest. And like paleo. Or the keto diet. Are those shots or... paleo? Shut the fuck up. Paleo. Oh, God. Sorry, anybody that does those things. Just like do it and keep it to yourself because literally no one cares. Everyone in the couples can sort of see that James is kind of one of them. And they start getting Mm -hmm. skeptical. One of us. One of us. Yeah, one of us. And they're like, he's as bad as we are. And they look up and he's texting, which apparently is the cardinal sin. The biggest sign that somebody is 
mm-hmm. in a couple. Barney comes over to see the gang, and they tell him what they're thinking about James and try to get him to see it, too. And at first, he's uh, kind of resisting. He's in disbelief. Yeah. In disbelief, yeah. And so this is when we start seeing this sort of extended metaphor of... Um, the kind of conversations that people have when someone they know, they suspect someone is gay. You yeah. Know? So we have Lily whispering monogamous instead of gay. Mm-hmm. And um, this is where we start seeing that, like, being in a couple in this episode is being treated as, as ta- quote unquote taboo, as being gay is treated in a lot of other situations. Right. So at first Barney's in denial, but then he starts cataloging all the things that have happened tonight and or that night and you know, he's saying that James does seem sort of tired and he hasn't had sex with anyone in a bathroom stall and then Robin breaks it to him that he's texting and that's like the killer. That was that's it. it. So Barney jumps up and goes to confront him, give me your phone. James is still doing like the Barney kind of deflection about the phone, but it doesn't last long because Barney grabs it sees a picture and finds out this is Tom James's not boyfriend fiance Oof, worse than he thought betrayal served hot so sad at the bar Barney is just disgusted by the sight of James and tells him that he doesn't support this mm-hmm. and not gay marriage just marriage um, you know, Barney's so confused. They had the same upbringing. They were raised with the same values. Yeah, so it's all the, it's still like if one brother came out and the other, you know, it's that extended exactly. metaphor. We grew up in the same house, same households. Like, how, how could you be gay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he says, you know, how could you, how could he want to get married? And James tells him that's how he felt too at first. It felt unnatural. Yeah, same shit. And then he uh, fell in love and he realized you can't fight love. Yeah. And James gives Barney some real talk and tells him that this is happening. He's marrying this man. He's getting married. And he wants Barney to be his best man. And Barney declines. Oof. Like, oh. And you can't believe it. Like, this is. Especially seeing how, like, adoring. Yeah, it's such a. Barney was towards James earlier in the episode. It's such a contrast. And it feels so childish. Mm-hmm. And it feels like something he can't take back. And it's, yeah. um, it's like a really sad moment right there. It is. And you see Barney, God, Neil Patrick Harris and Wayne Brady are both such great They're actors. Great. And you see Neil Patrick Harris say it and regret it, but then like sort of double down on it out of like pride. He can't, yeah, he can't go Ooh, back. Oh, God. That's so nuanced. Such a great, so this is a great scene between the two of them. It is. Um, you know, James walks out, but, you know, hoping that Barney will change his mm-hmm. mind. And I wrote, oh, my God, so sad. Happens all the time. Happens yeah, so I think time. Wayne Brady and, like, this scene kept the episode from being, like, a throwaway. Yep. And it's also cool to see Neil Patrick Harris, who is very gay, playing opposite a gay character, talking to him the way families talk to gay people. Yeah. You know, that was pretty cool. Also, three weeks before this episode came out, it is when uh, or aired is when neil patrick harris had come out wow yeah so when he was taping it he was still kind of in the closet not mm-hmm. in the closet probably to people he knew but publicly yeah wow yeah. Yeah. what perfect timing yeah and i remember in an earlier episode we had i had found something that said when uh <clears throat> david burka was on as scooter that is 
kind of when rumors started yeah. about Neil Patrick Harris being gay. Mm-hmm. Um, which is so fucking stupid. Like, really, why? Who fucking cares? Who cares? But people do care. I mean, the fact that this conversation was like basically torn from every most oh, yeah. know, most gay people's actual lives. I mean, you didn't even have to try. It and is. you know it that really you know is. growing up Wayne Brady probably got called gay all the time for his interest oh, in all yeah. these things. So, I think it was they were the right two people to to flip to play flip, these. flip trade spaces and and have the conversation without having the conversation. It's like the way in Yes, I'm going to talk about Buffy. In Buffy, being a witch is like a wink at being a lesbian. So back at the apartment, I'm guessing it's like the next day, everyone's back in their coma clothes, and Marshall has made himself a yummy pink drink in the privacy of his own home. But even there, he can't drink it, which is stupid. So So stupid. stupid. Yeah, there's like a lot of like masculinity bullshit happening with Ted and Marshall this episode, and their storyline is a fart. It is a loud, wet fart. As my dad would say, deader than a popcorn fart. Um, I like that. But, and I think for the most part, too, is that Ted and Marshall's relationship isn't doesn't mirror like this toxic no, masculinity. No, that's why it was so. It's so out of character. That's probably why it felt so lazy, right? Yeah. Like they were just trying to like shoehorn this storyline in of like straight bar versus gay bar, and like Ted and Marshall. I can't see. Yeah, they don't really seem to buy into it. Sometimes when they try and like posture like it, this it's funny, but this just felt lazy and out of character. Yeah. Everyone really felt out of character except for Barney and Wayne. I mean, Barney and and James. Like, Lily and Robin later on talking about, like, oh, let's go get hit on at a sports bar. That made me so mad. Puke. Barney comes in and basically immediately launches into talking about James. You know, he's not really interested in anything else, so clearly he's just been stewing on this, probably feeling really, really guilty. And he starts saying, if gay guys do it, everyone's going to do it because that's, like, the trendy thing to do. Which is true. Gay guys do set the tone a lot. Um, And he said he gives the examples of manicures and chest waxing, saying that everyone does it now. Um, And I looked this up because I was wondering about the timing. So these are two very metrosexual things. Yeah. That, you know, gay guys started it and now everyone does it. Back then, that was a little more true because Queer Eye for the Straight Guy came out for the first time. And so there was like a real wave of metrosexuals. Remember that? Okay. Yeah, no, I definitely remember. Just the timing I didn't think about. Yeah, Queer Eye was on for another year. It it ended in like fall 2007 or something like that. Okay. So... So that was still very much like a Yeah, thing. yeah. And so like the you remember there's like that whole South Park episode about queer eye like basically turning the whole town gay and then they end up being yeah. crab people, which is like one of the best episodes. Um That's one of my crab favorite people. <laughs> Look like crab. Like crab tastes like people. <laughs> God, it's so good. That was just such a perfect episode for the time. But yeah, so there's that. You know. Side note, new Queer Eye is amazing. I cry every single episode. Jonathan. Me too. Jonathan is my favorite. I've watched Jonathan I, like on Funny or Die and stuff for years. I'm just so glad that he's on the show. I um knew I knew Karamo. That oh, was really? it. But I, I from Real World? 
It was huge because he was the black guy and like you thought he was, he was a- like actually I'm gay. What? He was the first black gay guy on Real what World. What season was that? Was that out west? Ooh, it was Philly. Philly. Who else was on? That might have been later. That might have been a series. I don't know. I just remember oh him god. and I loved it. It was definitely like the later years. Oh my god, that's amazing. As Barney's talking about this stuff, like, you know, gays will do it. If gays start it, everyone will do it. We then get more of this continued metaphor about um, marriage versus being gay. Like, single life will die out, which people say if everyone's mm-hmm. gay, the population will die out. Um, and think of how the American family will be strengthened versus destroyed, right? Yeah. Um, and then we, from all this anxiety, um, Barney starts to actually say what he really feels so it's like taking him a day to really talk through everything and he says you know james was always with me you know it was always us together and if if the gay guys start everybody will get married but what he's really saying is if james gets married i am alone yeah and i'm left like questioning my life and my choices because like this was this is my identity like being single is my identity but now that my brother who's who I thought I was just like is leaving this. He feels very abandoned. We get a great line. The rest of you walking two by two onto your arc of sexless boredom. Nice one, Barney. Um, And Marshall's like, what are you talking about? Like, he's just going to get married. Nothing's going to change. And Barney says, you know, look around. Everything's changed. And then you realize that, maybe Barney wouldn't be this upset if his friends hadn't like completely withdrawn from the world. Yeah. yeah. It's like James was the last man standing and now he's gone too. And now it's just Barney on his own. It's so sad. It really is. It really is. So we're working through a lot of stuff. So the other plots don't really matter. Like this, this big through line for um, Barney's like abandonment issues is, is what keeps the episode afloat and, Ted says, it doesn't matter if you're upset. You really just still need to support him. The way he supported his sister marrying like a total goo who wore socks with sandals. Seems a little weird. We do he see his sister later. This might be one of those like early season yeah. things, um, but we'll get to that. I mean, she could have married him, but um, but this gives Barney an idea. He says, yeah, I really want to help James celebrate the commitment he and Tom are about to make. And we smash cut to a gay club. It's not a great scene, um, but there were things happening that, at least between Barney and James, that were worth happening. But it was a little, little rough. Yeah, we do see like gay guys being really aggressive here, um, and maybe sometimes that's true. I don't know. I know straight guys are aggressive with girls. Very right. Me in a bar or a club, like a lesbian, nobody fucking talks to each other. Like lesbians come in a pack, they leave in a pack. There really is not a lot of mingling. You assume everyone is booed up because everyone's with other people and you're like, I can't tell what the dynamics are. So it's, I I know it's a different energy. So we'll just leave it at that. We cut to a bar and there's a go-go dancer in hot pants dancing in a cage, Mm -hmm. um, which is sort of fun. and Pretty 90s. Yeah. James and, and Barney are having sort of a conversation about a Georgian clock with a chip in the corner that, bam, they got for half off, and Barney is just so not interested. Right. Um, there's, like, some throwaway scenes with Marshall and Ted mm-hmm. being hit on, and at first they really like the attention. Um, and I felt like 
the the interactions were just really over the top stereotypes, but not even Absolutely. really well done. It was like what you know, like there, I'm sure there was probably no gay man at the table for the right you know, exactly. writing this. And like, you know, they, they right, and it's pretty it's what clear. like a straight dude would think would happen. Yes, it's what a straight dude would think would happen. It's also. Before they even get there, they have perceptions of what a gay club is going to be like that only straight guys without gay friends would have. Like, Marshall and Ted seem very... Obviously, we haven't seen any gay people yet on this show, right? No. I don't think, except for James. So... Well, blue shirt, two o'clock. Oh, blue shirt, two o'clock, yep. And maybe a little Robin, maybe a little Lily. Maybe a little Lily. Yeah, Yeah, a little field hockey. (laughs) But otherwise, there are no – They. it's clear that they do not have a lot of exposure to gay people. And also, yeah. Ted thinks he's cool, but he's from the fucking Midwest, and so is Marshall. So I think both of them just have these really, like, regressive ideas about what it would be what like it, to be, like, wanted like a straight girl. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all these guys are fawning all over them. Okay. They're, Relax. They enjoy it. And then they start to see that it really kind of sucks to constantly be just objectified. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Ted has a line about it's never the hot ones, it's only the losers. Yeah, which is true. It's true. <laughs> That's always true. Gay, straight, doesn't matter. I know a woman wrote that line. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. And so, you know, we see like the girls dancing on their own. They're having so much fun because the boys aren't bothering them. But then eventually they decide to go to a sports bar because they miss getting hit on. And I hated Boo. I hated this. No. I wrote woof. I just didn't like that part. That doesn't feel like them either. Like, no. they're so much smarter than that. And I don't know. It just, this didn't feel like anybody. The only characters they nailed in this episode, luckily, were James and Barney. Maybe this is this is why Kristen only wrote Yikes. two episodes. This is it after all tea, all shade, all pink lemonade. But the best part of this scene mm-hmm. is Barney and James, and yeah. they have this really great conversation, heart to heart. And and like you said, he's really worried. He's going to be, he's going to lose James. He's going to yeah. lose. Um, his best friend, his mm-hmm. brother, the man he admires more than anybody. And they've kind of like cultivated this way of life. You know, they, they both wear that sh- their suit because it shows that they are a force to be reckoned with. They're yeah. not like, you know, like these peasants. They are above them and they are something different. And it's so sad. Yeah. Um, it's just sad. Well, yeah. And you think about it. People get to this age, our age, and everyone's pairing off. Most people are pairing off. So someone like Barney, who has no interest in pairing off, I imagine family is more important to him. Even though he doesn't act like it, but, like, his brother is his best friend. I mean, he's always also obsessed with Ted being his best friend. And so his friendships and his family, like, those connections are really important because people keep pairing off and disappearing. Yeah. And so this is, like... I can see why this feels like a betrayal to him, even though it's not rational and the way he's behaving is terrible and and very immature, but it feels like he's losing his big brother for real and that he's like on his own. Yeah. Yeah. And so I know sometimes when I get nervous, I'll just take myself out of the equation and I'll just, you know what I mean? Like, well, that's kind of Barney's like pulling back, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not going to go to the wedding. He doesn't support it. Um, and he tells him that it's not too late. It's not too late. He doesn't have to get married. And James tells him that he does. Because there's 
there's going to be a baby. And Barney just changes completely. He's like, a baby? And suddenly it does not matter. It doesn't matter at all. He's Mm -hmm. going to be an uncle for the rest of his life, and there's going to be a baby. And they hug, and it's so lovely. Yeah, it's like that gets him over the hump. Yeah. Um, and puts things into perspective. Puts it into perspective, shows him that th- this is real, that this isn't some, like, quote-unquote phase, right, mm-hmm. which he's thinking it is. And this happens a lot to gay people. Like, their parents won't talk to them until there's a baby. Like, until yeah. the, like and that's when they sort of realize, like, we need to stop being stupid because we're not just having this back and forth with adults. Like, we're now affecting a child. Children. Which yeah. sucks that it takes that for things to to move forward, but them's the breaks. And also, I think a lot of times when people come out, their parents are worried. Like, their first thought is, I will never have grandchildren. Even in 2018, when there's adoption and foster care and, yeah. you know, all, all kinds of ways to get actually pregnant, the first thought is, I will never have grandchildren. Yeah. And so that helps people come around when there's a when there's a little baby that's true yeah and barney's excited because he has more family right like he's got a person and now he's a new role and a new reason to stay in james's life yes so i think that kind of helps him see that he's not like you know one door shuts another one open. right he's not being pushed out but yeah he's not being pushed out if anything he's gonna want Barney there more yeah. to be a part of his nephew's life because they have been so important in each other's lives. And you know what? That's another, they're so like, Barney really loves him. So how come he doesn't talk about, how come Robin didn't know? Cause that was winter 2006. So it's been a year yeah. at least, you know? Yeah. No, that's a little, a little bit, a little bit of a hole. Um, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. But Barney is also very private about his family. True. As we will learn going forward. Yes. All right. So a year later, we see Barney finishing up his speech at James's wedding. And Skyway by The Replacements is playing in the background. As usual, with any flash forward forward we get on the show, the first thing I do is look for clues. Me too. You know? So you're like, what's going on? And we, we find out. I mean, Marshall refers to Lily as the wife. But he doesn't have a ring on. He doesn't have a ring on either hand. Not on the left. Interesting. Where else would you be so they a must have ring? done that on purpose. Um, or maybe they just didn't think about, think about it. it. Yeah, maybe. Could be all kinds of reasons. So from that, from the wife, we can assume that Marshall and Lily do get married. And at this point, there have been so many will they, won't they that I don't think the fans, the audience would have taken another one. So yes, yeah. they're getting married. Um, Ted and Robin seem happy, but something strange is that they. They're not tired. They're not tired. True. Didn't even notice that. And they also agree to stay separately. You know, like Ted says he's going to stay, and then Robin says she's going to stay. And you're right. They're she not. says she's not tired at all. Good call, dude. I totally missed that one. Yeah, so we've got the couple's coma going home, and then Ted and Robin stay. But they seem happy. Friendly, at least. We'll see what happens. Yeah, they're friendly. Yeah, they're friendly with each other, and they're dancing. Um, but there does seem to be something. So then you're like, oh, fuck, what's going, to happen? what's going on? So Ted and Robin get up to dance. Marshall and Lily go home, and Barney is alone again. But he's not because mm-hmm. he has a nephew. 
That's right. So he goes over to see his little buddy in his cute little suit, and um, he gets gives him five. yeah, gives gets a high five and tells him that he doesn't have to choose this lifestyle just because his parents are married, which is so cute. It is very cute. And he says, you know, when you're 21, we're going to bro out. I'm going to teach you how to live, which is the classic thing he said to Ted when they first met. And, um, so it's clear that Barney now has, yeah. And now Barney has a, a new identity, like a new part of himself. He's not just single. He's also someone's uncle. He's uncle Barney. Which is nice. But then, of course, we cut to later that night, and Barney has managed to find the one drunk girl that's sad that Tom doesn't love her boobs anymore. Like, why was this bitch invited to the wedding? I don't this know. is another piece that I was like, eh. Just another lazy throwaway joke. Right. Um, and Barney doesn't have to try too hard, and then they're making out, and, like, the nephew, like, the little baby smiles at him. Whatever. Cute. So, out. Yeah. You know what? I feel like this was, like, a purple giraffe moment for me. Like, I didn't hate... Well, no, not that bad. I didn't hate this episode at all, watching it. Watching it, you know, more than once did feel more, you know, laborious for Mm, me. Yeah. But talking about it, I'm just like, eh. Right, it's always when we talk about it that we find all the little little things. I'm like, like, all right, I didn't love it. Like, it's a fine episode, and uh, and it's just... It's it's, it's weighed down by the B-plots because they just aren't great. Like nothing, yeah. there's no, there's nothing at stake for any of the other characters. It's, but that was probably intentional. Like this is a very important moment for Barney and James. So sure. we couldn't have something like a slap bet going on, like in a B plot. Like it, it just kind of had to be frivolous, but I just wish it hadn't been like basic, but it, again, it's it was, 2006. We, right, we didn't right. know what we know now, you know? So there's okay. that. It's fine. It's a fine episode. Obviously, Wayne and Neil Patrick Harris fucking carried it and did a great job. All right. Well, let's find out what our HB family had to say about this episode. We've got a couple legendary moments here from our fans. The first one comes from Eric, and he's got a couple. Uh, The first one is James's phrase, which is not legendary. But it's, well, he says legendary, but his version of wait for it is fab, don't you go nowhere, you lust, which is really cute. It is adorable. Yeah. And then the other one, he loves Marshall's quest for the fruity pink drink. And then lastly, Barney being so adamant against his brother's marriage with the obvious parallels to some people's objections to gay marriage, only for it to be immediately shattered by the mention of a child symbolizing the fragility of homophobes. It's so true. <laughs> so true. For the most part, as soon as there's like a life in the middle of it, yeah. a lot of people come around. It like humanizes it. Yeah, which is so because, stupid. But because the, you know, the person who is, you know, is gay is not a person. Even though they're like part of your family, whatever. We're not going to get into it. You like raised them in some part. Stupid. Okay, whatever. No. Uh, anyway, our next uh, legendary moment comes from Shelby. And Shelby's legendary moment is when the boys are at the gay club and Marshall says, it's like my eyes are up here. <laughs> and he kind of, and he also like draws like his fingers, you know, like girls would do that. Like they make a line from like their breast to their eye. Yep. He like does it from like his, you know. His junk. Area. Yep. His junk. <laughs> oh, Marshmallow. 
All right. And then we have one message on our answering machine tonight. Let's take a little listen. Hi, ladies. It's Miranda. So single stamina. I do enjoy this episode. One thing that I do love about this show is that the five of them are all wonderful actors, that they form this core that if you're a guest star, you have to be able to mesh with them nicely or it doesn't work out. I love when a good guest person can come in and just blend seamlessly with them and then bounce out like no big deal. And that's why my legendary moment, or actually legendary person, is Wayne Brady. Wayne Brady is one of my favorite guests on the show. He bounces in, he stirs things up a little bit, doesn't cause that much trouble, but he does a good job. Everyone knows him, everyone loves him, it works out well, and then he bounces out without a problem. I like his and Neil's chemistry. I think they work too well together. So that is my legendary person, is Wayne Brady. I hope you both are staying cool. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Miranda. Good one. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I agree. My legendary moment is absolutely Wayne Brady. For sure. Yeah. I mean, the whole through line of, like, the mirroring, um, the conversation sort of mirroring the conversation of when someone comes out or same-sex marriage was good, but none of it would have been legendary without without Wayne Brady. And she's so right that he really meshes well with everybody. And I think he's just such a professional and he's so charismatic mm-hmm. that you just want to work at his level. So Yeah. So something that's interesting about him, I forgot to mention, he was going to join the military. Hmm. And... Uh, until he was uh, 16, and then that is when he got into acting. Wow. Got the bug, as they yeah. say. As they say. Do you have a legendary moment besides Mr. Brady? No, I don't. He was my legendary Heck moment. Heck yeah. Sure. He saved the episode. Yeah. So, so good. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks for sending in your legendary moments, Eric Shelby and Miranda. Please keep sending them along. Uh, next time, it's how Lily stole Christmas. Mm-hmm. So that'll be in two weeks. Don't don't forget that. Um, and when we air that, I will be sure to share on Twitter the recipe that I found for a remake of Lily's sinfully cinnamon Christmas cookies. Yes. Because I make them every year, and they're so delicious. Great to eat straight out of the bowl like Marshall does. Can't wait. Yeah, so send us a legendary moment for How Lily Stole Christmas to heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. And go follow us on Twitter at heybeautifulpod. We hope you'll come back next episode. Because it's going to be legend. Wait for it. This has been Hey Beautiful with your hosts, Kate Gordon and Caitlin Turner. Our intro-outro music is by Owl All. You have the best wife ever? I have the best wife ever.